We all want to be great, to have a purpose. The constraints of this world may hold us back. But what if we believe that we're not alone? What if we stopped trying to survive and made a decision to live? What would change if we knew we are right where we're supposed to be? It is not by chance, it's by design. Designed by the one who made us. What we have has been given to us. God blesses on purpose. What if all we had to do is believe every single day? Let's do this. I got a little fired up watching that. Let's do this. How you guys feeling? Hey, let's do this. At every single location, on the count of three, can you make some noise as if you are actually excited to be at church today at every location? One, two, three. You guys sound good. Welcome to all of our locations around Denver. Welcome uh, both of our God Behind Bars campuses and a special welcome to our Brussels, Belgium campus. We love you guys like crazy. So if you were here last week, you know that we started this teaching series called On Purpose. And Chad did an amazing job of kicking off this this series. And he explained, if you were here, you'll remember this. He explained that as a church family, we've got some big goals for 2017, don't we? This is that time of year. We all kind of know this is that time of year when we start talking about big goals and Uh, big dreams and resolutions and what are we going to accomplish right this year? Well, as a church family, we've got some of those. In fact, we've got one. And and one verse in the Bible tells you everything that we want to be about in 2017. Matthew 6.33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That's our goal. That's what we want to be. That's what we want to be as individuals. That's what we want to be as families. That's what we want to be about as a church family. You can say what you want. You can like me. You can not like me. You can like the church. You can not like the church. You can say whatever you want. But our hope is is that you would also have to say, but I'll tell you what. They're about putting God first. They're about seeking God. And that's what we want to be about as a church family. If that sounds good, would you make a little noise? We're going to do three practical things throughout this teaching series so that we can pursue that. Number one, we're going to to talk about what that looks like, and we're going to get into the Word and get real serious about what does God say it looks like to put Him first. That's the first thing we're going to do. Second thing we're doing is we're going through a devotion together each day as a church family. So if you have the Red Rocks Church app, Or if you don't get the app, but go on your phone, and every single day on the On Purpose, you hit that On Purpose button, and there will be a devotion. And we're going to go through a devotion together each day throughout this series as a church family so that we can actually start putting God first. And then the third thing we're doing is is we're meeting every Tuesday night for prayer. So no matter what campus you're at, every Tuesday night, so this Tuesday at 7 p.m. at your campus, we're not just going to talk about putting God first. We don't want to talk a big game. We want to actually do it. So we're going to meet at 7 p.m. at every campus this week, and we're going to continue to pray together. So we're going to talk about what that looks like from the Word. We're going to do devotions together as a church family, and we're going to pray together. 
Because we don't, like I said, we don't want to just talk about this stuff. We want to do it, right? Proverbs 3, 6 says this. In everything you do, put God first. And he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. Put God first and he will guide you and give you success. That's what it says. When the creator of the universe gives us an offer like that, when the creator of the universe, the one who spoke and created earth, when he says, put me first, I'll guide you, I'll give you success, we want that, right? That's what we want. And I was talking to Morgan, uh, one of the amazing people on our creative team this week, and she said, you know, I was talking with a small group of friends and we were talking about Chad's message last week. And we were talking about how good it was. And, and we were talking about um, just what it meant for us. And she said, and the conversation started to sound like this. Okay, well, if I'm going to put God first, then what's that really look like? How do I know if I'm doing that? How do I actually do that? Because I don't want to just talk it. I want to do it. What's that look like? And if you were here last week, Chad let you in on that at the very end of his message last week. Last week was a big introduction to this series. And at the very end, he said, we're going to talk about three different ways to put God first. We're going to put God first with our time, with our treasures, and with our talents. And see, if, if as individuals, as families, as a church family, if we can take a step back and say, look, I'm not perfect. Don't even claim to be. But I'm doing my very best to put God first when it comes to my time and when it comes to my treasures and when it comes to my talents, then we know we're on the right path. We know that we are moving towards and can honestly say, I'm doing everything I know to do to put God first in my life so I qualify for his promises because I'm doing that. I'm putting him first. And so today we're going to talk about time. Jesus said, if you're going to put me first going to seek me first, if you want to experience the life I have in store for you, the, the plans I have for you, it's going to take time. He said this, John 15, 1 through 5, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. Listen, this is, he's talking about time. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And then he says it again. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He's talking about time, isn't he? Remaining, abiding. It takes time to do stuff like that. Let me ask a question, and, and by a show of hands, at all locations, anybody, anybody a gardener? Like you just garden for fun. I'm not talking about like you're a farmer or you, you raise you know, crops and that's the way you make your living. No, you just garden for, like you have a whole life going on and then you, I just garden. Is that you? Raise your hand. See, I don't understand you. I'm going to be completely honest. I do not get gardening when it's just for fun. 
To me, gardening for fun is as misguided as camping. I know, I'm just saying, I know it's Colorado, it's not popular. I'm just saying, I don't get it. The biggest check we write every month is for our mortgage. And a bunch of you are the same. The biggest check you write is for like rent, right? Or the mortgage on your home. And then you pay bills for electricity, for heating, for air conditioning. My wife right now is on a whole like, I don't know if that matches. Maybe we need a new rug and maybe we need a thing with a deal. And like you spend all this time decorating and you buy furniture and you buy beds with mattresses and pillow top mattresses and really nice sheets and blankets and pillows. And then on purpose, you go sleep in the forest on the ground. (laughs) Now, if that's your thing, I'm just going to say this. We have a prayer ministry at every campus. You can get healed of camping before you leave here today. But gardening on just for fun, like, to me, that's the same, like, it's the same misguided path that you're on. You need just as much prayer if you garden for fun. <laughs> my, my mom gardened for fun when I was growing up, and I know because I had to go out and till the ground, and I used a rotor tiller. Now, I actually wrote it in my notes this week, rotor tiller, and then I kid you not, I looked it up for the very first time in my life. I looked it up. It's actually called a roto tiller, but see, I'm from Kansas. And so I was told, hey, Sean, get out there in the garage and grab the rotor tiller and get the garden going. And I thought it was a rotor tiller. So I grabbed the rotor tiller and I tilled up the ground and my mom went out there and she's going to plant tomatoes and she plants the seeds and she every day waters. Sometimes I got to water. And then she's, you know, paying attention to weeds and how they're doing. And they build these little, little fence looking deals so the leaves can come. I'm not a gardener, right? But all kinds. And then like four years later, she comes in the house and she's like, "Ah, I got a tomato. I'm thinking, mom, I got two words for you. Super target. All right. You could have 50 in five minutes and I could stay away from the rotor tiller. Like this makes no sense to garden for fun to me. I don't know much about gardening obviously. But what I do know is from watching is it takes a lot of time, doesn't it? And that's what Jesus is talking about. This passage is actually about time and your purpose. He says, see, a branch's purpose is to create fruit. He says branches don't get to create fruit when they're disconnected from the vine. He says, you don't get to experience the purpose I have for you in this world Unless you're willing to spend some time with me, connected to the vine, that's how you experience life to the fullest. That's how you experience your purpose in life. But it takes time. It takes us on purpose saying, I'm going to spend some time with my creator. In the same way, if we want to, like when you're single and you're like chasing that girl, right? You want to spend time. In the same way, when you're chasing that boy, single ladies, you hope he wants to spend some time. In the same way, when you're trying to create a new friendship, it takes time. You talk to me, I talk to you, but we've got to get intentional and we've got to spend some time talking with each other. It's the only way it happens. And God's no different. We have to, at some point, say, my relationship with him is so important. I'm not just going to talk a big game and say I seek him first. I'm going to actually put him first, and I'm going to spend some on-purpose time where I talk to him and he talks to me. 
The primary ways that'll happen is I talk to him, we call that prayer, and he talks to me through his word. That's why we call the Bible the word of God. It's how he talks to us. Now, some of you may be new to this whole deal. I remember when Eric took me to church when I was 24, and I was new to the whole thing, and I would hear church people say church things, and I was like, I told you they're crazy. Like, you hear somebody go, I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe you're here, and you're like, I'm sorry. Did, <clears throat> did you just say God talks to you? Yeah, I knew this place was crazy. Check, please. <laughs> I'm out, right? If that's sea bass, mm-hmm, I'm out of here. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's kind of like what I was talking about on Christmas Eve, if you were here. I was talking about how God's love is so different than any other love that we've ever experienced. And, and I said, until you experience it for yourself, you almost think it sounds crazy. And that's what it's like. When I say God talks to you, let me tell you, God wants to talk to you about your life. And if you'll let him through his word, he will. And until you experience it, it might sound crazy. But he wants to talk with you and encourage you and equip you and empower you and guide you and correct you and speak to you about what you're going through right now and change you if you'll let him. But if you've never experienced it, I get it. It sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? He, Hebrews 4 says, the Bible says about itself that it is alive and active. I can read a scripture today that I have read months ago, and it will, it will communicate something completely different to me about life. Because I'm at a different place in life. It's alive. It's active. It's how God wants to be a part of our life today. 1 Kings 19 talks about the fact that God's voice is a, it's a still, small voice often when he communicates. Now, again, never experienced it. Sounds crazy. But those of you who have, and we could pass the mic around, and there would be people all over every single campus today that would say, I, I know what he's talking about because I've experienced it. See, what happens is, is you start spending time in the Word of God, reading, and it doesn't matter where you start. Start in the front, start in the back, read a book, read a chapter, read in order, read the other way. You spend some time in the Word of God, and what happens is, is you'll read a, a page, a couple pages, one verse sometimes for me, and you hear this little voice in your head go, that's for you, don't you? That's how it works, unlike any other book on the planet it's alive, it's active, it's able to teach and equip and guide exactly where you're at. And you hear this little, ver this little voice in your head go, that verse is for you. You need, to be you need to be reminded of that today. You need to hear that. Sometimes I read a verse and that little voice goes, something you need to stop doing, isn't there? Something you need to start. There's a relationship you need to fix something you need to hear. And those of you who have spent time in the word of God, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And what happens is, is as you start to get familiar with that still small voice in the privacy, right? Wherever it is that you go to sort of get alone with God, you start to, you start to get familiar with that still small voice. And then you step out into the chaos of life and you'll start to recognize it in chaos because you got familiar with it in privacy. This past week, I was at one of my son's basketball games. Because that's what I do for a living now, is I go to youth basketball games, okay? All three of my boys are playing, and I absolutely love it. I'm at a game, 
And we're at this place, and some of you, if your kids are playing sports around town, you'll be familiar with this place. It's called Gold Crown. It's a huge, it's an amazing facility, huge facility, and it's got six full-court basketball courts right next to each other. No dividing walls. They got these cute little curtains that they pull in between every two courts, like that helps. I'm telling you, this place is so loud, it makes the Pepsi Center sound quiet. Think about this. There's six courts, six scoreboards going every time somebody subs in, every quarter, every half, at the start of every game. I mean, it's just nonstop. All you hear is and there's, there's 12 referees blowing whistles, right? There's 12 youth basketball teams. And this place, they run games like clockwork. So it's 10, 11, 12, 1. So you can't just show up. you got to be there at the game before to get ready to play your game. So there's not just 12 youth basketball teams in this one area. There's 24. 24 youth basketball teams, their entire families, scoreboards buzzing, whistles blowing, parents yelling, coaches yelling, kids crying. It's crazy, okay? You want to go crazy one night, just come to a game with me. I'm at the game the other night. It's the most chaos, chaotic, just crazy environment, so loud. And I'm, my, my son's game's getting ready to start, Ethan's. And, and I bought him knee pads, okay, because he is half the size of everybody else on his team, which means he spends a lot of time on the floor. He's always getting knocked down, right? And I have to pay for the emergency room visits. I have to pay for the cast and the boot that we just had taken off the child. So I got him knee pads, well, I'm on the bleacher. They're warming up. He doesn't even know I'm there yet. They're warming up. I was at church. I came at late. I got in the bleachers, and I'm looking, and I'm like, he doesn't have the knee pads on his knees. He's got them down by his ankles because it looks cool. <laughs> the game's about to start. What I want to do is I want to jump out in the middle of the court and be like, no, 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 time, time, time. Ethan Johnson, knee pads now. That's what I want to do. I pay the emergency room visits, pull them up. That's what I want to do. I can't be that parent, right? I only do that when the ref misses a call. <laughs> so, kid you not, buzzers, <laughs> whistles, parents yelling, crying, screaming, high fives, yelling, blah, it's crazy in there. I'm sitting on the bleachers and I do this. E. My son didn't even know which set of bleachers I was on. He goes like this. <laughs> That's not even a word. That's like a caveman sound. E. How's that possible? In the loudest building in a three-state area with hundreds of people everywhere, I say E, and my son looks. Because he has heard me a thousand times when it's just us, and I say, E, I love you. E, you wanna help us get ready for dinner? E, it's time for bed. E, you read tonight? E, you know I'm proud of you. He has heard me call him E a thousand times in privacy. So when we get into the loudest environment that you can find in this city and I say E, he looks. He's gotten so familiar with my voice in privacy that he hears it in chaos. Red Rocks Church, I'm telling you, that's what happens when we get inside the word of God. 
and we start getting familiar with this still small voice of him saying, that's for you. Go left, go right, do that, stop that. And then we get out into life and we got real decisions to make. Do I buy? Do I sell? Do I move? Do I change jobs? Do I get married? Do I date this person? God, what do I do? And I can start to recognize his voice because I've heard it so much in privacy. That's what happens when we decide that we will actually put him first, not talk about putting him first, and we say, I'm going to spend some time with God. Now, I am, by nature, super simple and super practical, and so everything inside of me right now wants to just spend the rest of our time together going, let me tell you the three ways to start praying. Let me give you six practical tips to start reading. That's everything inside of me wants to do that right now. In fact, I was going to have bookmarks made like I did six months ago because I love to do it because I want to make sure because I know there's a few of you in here that go, man, maybe I want to start reading the Bible, but I don't know where to start. Maybe I do want to start praying, but I don't even know how to begin. And I get worried about you, so I want to talk to you and forget everybody else for a minute. I'm not going to do that today. But if that's you, because I can't sleep at night if I don't help you, you go to the app as of today, and in the on-purpose stuff, there's going to be some tips for you on how to start praying and how to start reading the Bible if you have no clue where to begin. But I want to spend the rest of our time just kind of sharing my heart with you on why I think if you will start on purpose spending time with God in a way that you just haven't before, it'll change you. So I thought, okay, how do I do that? I thought, well, I'm just going gonna, gonna to sort of let you look into a window of part of my journey. And, and I'm just going to show you how I know I'm not just reading good advice to you. I'm not reading something that someone else told me to tell you. I'm sharing something with you that I've experienced. Because I've experienced that no matter who you are, no matter how messed up you are, no matter how ungodly you think you are, no matter how unspiritual you think you are, no matter how bad of a prayer you think you are, whatever it is, because that's all the things I've felt. If you just decide I'll spend some time with God, he'll direct your steps, guide your life, and change where you end up and show you your purpose. So, I did something that um, I still kind of can't believe I did. I got out some old prayer journals. I'm not a journaler by nature. I don't like to sit down and go, mm, I was sad today, so I walked in the park. <laughs> like, I don't like to do that. <laughs> but every now and then, I like to write out my prayers because I get easily sidetracked and I want to stay focused. So sometimes I write my prayers. It's funny, I had like 10 journals I found in my office, and each of them have like four pages written in them. <laughs> and so I started going through these different journals, and, and, and I started reading some of my prayers, and I thought, you know what? I'm going I'm to share some of this with you. Let me tell you what this is not. This is not me going, man, I am just spiritual. <laughs> oh, you ought to be like me. You really should. In fact, um, what, what I risk is the opposite is that you seeing how jacked up I am as I share, because when I wrote this, I wrote it to God and didn't ever think I would share it with anybody. But I'm going to share some pages out of some old journals, and I'm going way back. This is 5-27-03. So um, my oldest son was three months old. I had started feeling like someday I wanted to start a church. 
but it didn't make any sense because I don't have the right education and I don't have the right temperament and I don't have the right knowledge and I don't have the right skill set and I don't have the right experience, but I couldn't get rid of it. So I start praying. Here it is. God, I'm asking you to guide me. Should I stay or should I go? How many times you prayed that one? I see the benefits to both. I want to build something. Is this for me or for you? And that, that's not a bad question to ask yourself every now and then. What I'm praying about and claiming that I want to do for you, God. Is this for me or is this for you? I try so hard to have right motives. I pray for your peace and guidance. I love Chad like a brother and would love to serve you standing next to him. Sorry. I would love for our kids to grow up together. At this point, I had a three-month-old son, and he wasn't even, Chad wasn't even married. Tell me prayer doesn't work. You're like, you, you, you prayed for him? You're darn right I did. Now fight you for him, too. But more importantly, I want to be the most effective I can for you. God, help me to be holy. It's such a battle. I trust you with my life and my family's lives. I'm going to serve Rockford First Assembly the best I know how until you give me the green light. I love you. Thank you for Ethan and Jill. I don't deserve the blessings you give me. And so I decided I had heard Matthew 6.33 more times than I could count. I had heard people say, if you, God says, if you seek him first, everything else will just work out. He'll take care of all the details you can't take care of anyways. So I decided, well, I'll just try it. And so I decided that I was going to go to one of the men, one of the pastors that was above me on the organizational chart, and there were a whole bunch of them at different times while I was there. And there was one in particular that I thought, you know what, I really respect him. I look up to him. He's a godly man. I'm going to go, I'm going to go share my dream with him. I'm going to go tell him that I think I want to start a church someday and see what he thinks. And I'll never forget what he told me. I told him the plan. And I said, what do you think? And he looked at me and he said this. What are you going to teach him? That's what he said to me. He said, Sean, fires don't last on kindling alone. At some point, you got to be able to put some logs on there. Now, what are you going to teach a church? And... I was crushed, so embarrassed, felt so stupid. Kind of had that like, no kidding, why would you be dumb enough to think you could do that feeling? So this was my next prayer. Well, pastor said, no, you're not ready. So I'm staying in Rockford. God, help my attitude and emotions. I want to be effective and meaningful and purposeful with my life. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out how to do that. I know you care. It's just hard to always remember that. Give me your perspective. Help me to love people. Help me to care when I don't feel like caring. I'm sorry I whine so much. <laughs> You've given me a good life, a great wife, and a great child. I love you. You know that um, you can be real honest 
when you go to spend time with God. Sometimes we think we have to pretend to be something that we're not. We talk differently when we pray. We act differently. Try to be real positive. Let me tell you what, for me, it's messy and it's raw and it's real. And you can go to God when you're hurt. You can go to God when you're angry. You can go to God when you're mad and confused. He's a big boy. He can handle it. But we're supposed to be honest. We're supposed to go to him on the bad days. That's part of it. As I told you, I'm not very good at writing, so I found another journal. My next entry was a year later. (laughs) I was still dreaming about starting a church someday, still talking to a bunch of friends about it, still praying about it, and here's what I wrote. Well, first, uh, I I wrote this, Proverbs 16.3. Commit your plans to the Lord, and he will make them succeed. And it was like, because the Bible's living and active and it knew, and God knew exactly what I was going through, I felt like the still small voice in my head that day when I read this, it, I felt like God was saying, look, you've got all these plans. Why don't you just give them to me? Why don't you try to stop manufacturing everything? Just give them to me and watch what I'll do. So this was my response. He was talking to me in this conversation. So this was my response. God, help me to actually do this. Help me to relax and feel peace about all of this. And on the page before, I didn't photocopy it. I had read today that I put in there, I talked to Brian Zabel today and begged him to start the church with me, and he's uncertain. (laughs) Chad B. told me last night that he and Rachel don't know for sure what they want to do as far as starting a church. Everyone is real vague. I don't know if they're going to bail, but if they do, would you help me to have peace about doing the right thing, even if it's just me and Jill? Thank you for my wife. She's the best part of my life. I'm going to read something here, and it's a little bit crass, and uh, I try not to talk like Chad from the stage, um, (laughs) but remember again that I was under heavy influence of Chad at this time. And uh, it is a little crass, but I'm just going to read you what I wrote. Thank you for my wife. She's the best part of my life. God, peace out. Oh, yeah. Had a small, had a small anxiety attack last night. Screw you, Satan. It won't work. Every now and then, you got to be willing to just say, you know what? I don't have to listen to you, Satan. And I don't care what everybody else thinks about my abilities. And I don't care what you say. And I don't care what you do. Because you're not going to talk me into walking away from my dreams. Every now and then, we got to do that. And spending time with God, it gives us the ability to do that. It gives us the power to start doing that. It emboldens us. And so I'm just praying for peace. I wasn't going to read this one because it really shows you what a mess I was, but I thought, why not? We've come this far. <laughs> 72904, Psalm 5, 11 and 12. But let all who take refuge in you, you can go ahead and put that slide up. Oh, you already are. I'll shut up. 
But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. For surely, O oh Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. You could tell I was starting to be encouraged by God here. I was starting to feel some of his peace. I said, God, David's prayer is my prayer. I'm not going to be depressed, and I'm not going to be worried, and I'm not going to be afraid, and I am going to sing for joy. God, as we ask you to continuously make us righteous, we know that you bless us. Thank you for that. God, guard my family with your favor like a shield. My life, my future, my family is in your hands. I love you. Thank you. Sometimes when you spend time with God, what he'll do is, is he'll actually remind you of some things, some things that we too easily forget. And one of them for me is oftentimes as I spend time going through his word, he reminds me that he loves me. You know, I hear people all the time say, I just don't feel like God loves me. And, and I say the same thing sometimes. And as I was getting ready for today, you know what hit me? It's probably because we don't spend much time with God. Because how can you know that someone loves you if you never spend time with them? How can you know that girl loves you if you never spend time with her? How can you know that boy loves you if you never spend any time with him? How can we know that God loves us if we never give him a chance to tell us? It's spending time with him. He reminds us that he loves us, that he's in control, that he knows what we're going through, that he's got a plan. And it, is, uh, it, it manufactures peace in our life. Time with God, a byproduct of that is peace. And I was praying, God, give me peace. And all of a sudden, I started, started feeling peace. Skipped one. We're almost done. September 9th, 2004. I had just read that day in my quiet time, uh, Acts 13.2. And if you go read it, it talks about how some guys were fasting and praying. And then the Holy Spirit started speaking to them and guiding them about the career paths in their life. And I read that verse and I thought, you know what? That's where I'm at. That's what I need. That's what I want. Okay, God, I've never fasted before, but I'm going to do it. I'll skip breakfast and I'll pray and I'll skip lunch and I'll pray and I'll skip dinner and I'll pray because I want to be guided by you. Here was my journal entry. Start fa started fasting today. Acts 13.2 said that when they fasted, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. God, please speak to me over the next several days. I've heard if you want to experience something you've never experienced, then you have to do something you've never done. And that's where I'm at here. I want to be led by you like never before. I want to hear you speak to me like never before. I want to watch you provide for our family like never before. And some of you desperately need that very thing right now. Some of you, because of what life's thrown at you, because of where you're at, because of what you're facing, you've never needed to be led by God more than you do right now. Some of you, you've never needed to hear from God more than you need to hear from him right now. Some of you have never needed his miraculous provision like you do right now. Maybe to experience something you haven't experienced before, you need to do something that you haven't done before. And maybe some of you need to start getting crazy serious about spending some time with God. Saying, God, I'm not good enough and I'm not strong enough and I don't have all the answers and I don't know what to do. But I'm going to seek you first. 
because I know according to your word, you promise that you'll guide me and you'll give me success. This one's super short. I just thought it was funny. Gosh, I keep skipping these. The next day, second day of fasting. Had really bad headaches last night. Should never fast and play Halo at the same time. <laughs> just where I was at in life. And it was in that three days of fasting, something I'd never done before, that God started to speak to me in ways he'd just never spoken to me before. And I felt like for the first time in that three days of fasting, I felt like overall God said one thing to me, it's time. And I left this three-day fast and I went back to my wife and I said, honey, it's time. Let's sell it all. Let's go to Denver. Let's join up with Scott. BZ, I'll convince Chad. It's time. And I went to my boss and I said, I know you don't think it's a good idea, but it's time. And here's the last one I'll read you. Tell me time with God doesn't direct the steps of your life. I can't really read it because I'm crying. Sissy. <clears throat> Pastor announced to the church that I'm leaving next month. Well, it's official. I'm out of here. Weird. Oh, God, I need you. Right now, we need a buyer for our house, a salary, insurance for our new baby, and a free place to live. Praise God, we have a great sense that Denver is the deal. Also, no anxiety. I'm claiming it now. I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. This is not a check-me-out thing. If anything, I mean, you just saw how screwed up I am. I'm not educated enough to have this job. I'm not experienced enough. I'm not eloquent enough. I don't have the, the skills that a lot of people have that do this. But a friend told me once, if you'll just seek God first, he'll take care of everything else. And Red Rocks Church, that's what God wants for every single one of us. My entire life is on a different path because one day I said, I'm just going to start spending time with him, taking it real serious. And that's what he wants for you. But it will take, on purpose, time. Let's pray. God, I know you're here with us right now. I know you want to do life with every single one of us right now. I know that you love us and that you accept us even when we don't feel lovable and we don't feel like we have much to offer. I thank you, God, that your son, Jesus Christ, died on a cross to pay the price for my sins and all of our sins. And all we have to do today is to lean into that, to put our trust in that. And we not only get to start a relationship with you in the here and now, but we get heaven forever. 
With everyone's eyes closed at all our locations, I want to ask two questions. The first one is this. God's been speaking to you right now. You already have a relationship with Jesus, but God's been speaking to you. And you feel like it's possible that he's asking you right now to start getting serious about spending some time with him. And the truth is, you know that you need it. You want his guidance. You want this relationship with him. You want his intervention. And so now you just want to respond and say, okay, God, I hear you. And I want you to, I want you to help me. Give me the grace. Give me the strength. Give me the discipline to start spending some real time with you. If that's you, raise your hand. I'm just going to say a prayer for you. I'm with you. The second question is this. I've been talking about really what God has done in my life, but the whole time he's been talking to you about what he wants to do in yours. And you don't have a relationship with him. And you know that you need to start that. And this is your moment. You have felt him calling you into a relationship with him. And you just know it. Like, this is my time right now. And you know, I need to ask God to forgive me of my sins. And I want to ask him to be a part of my life. I want to put my faith in him. If that's you at every single location right now, raise your hand up and I'm going to say a prayer for you. Raise them up high. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hands all over the place. Raise them up. Brussels, raise them. If God's calling you, respond. God behind bars, raise them up high. I just want to respond to what you're saying to me, God. God, I thank you for the life change that is happening right now. I thank you for the eternal lives that are being changed right now. And God, for every single one of us, I pray that you would remind us right now how much you love us, that you're here with us, and that you're in control of our lives. And I pray that we would leave here not feeling guilty in any way, that we would leave here feeling excited at the opportunity to get to start spending some time with you. I thank you that you love us and that you want to do life with us. And as a church family now, it is our honor to worship you with music. In Jesus' name, amen.